We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome back to the Champagne on Ice podcast presented by The Field of 68. It is a great day to be talking some Illinois hoops. The Illini go 2-0. and this past week, Brad Underwood moves to 8-0 against Jawan Howard on Tuesday night, and then Brad Underwood gets his first win at the Xfinity Center in College Park, Maryland, which was the only place that he had yet to win as the head coach of Illinois. Finally, Illinois beats Maryland on Saturday. We'll talk about both those games. Illinois also makes an appearance in the NCAA Tournament Committee's early bracket reveal, so we'll get to that as well. I'm Kyle Tosk, joined as always by Mike Farmer. Mike, how you feeling coming off a solid 2-0 week for the Illini? I'm feeling good. I'm honestly just, I'm feeling relieved. Like the Michigan game wasn't really in question at any point, but you get down to the end of that Maryland game, it's it's a little bit dicey. They get, they get that fast break towards the end, but Illinois comes through, they pull it out, had some big plays down the stretch. Uh, just happy to be 2-0 this week. Yeah, definitely. It did feel a little bit for a minute there, like a repeat of Michigan State a week ago there at Maryland, where it was just all going to fall apart on the road. Credit Illinois, though, they pick up a big win on the road. As of this second, it's a quad one win. They're, Maryland is literally exactly 75th in the net, so that should be an interesting teeter back and forth the rest of the year. Maybe Illini fans should be rooting for the Terps the rest of the way, but uh, yeah, big road win there. We can kind of talk both games. I mean, Michigan, that's just a completely dead team. Illinois did what they should have done. Uh, what I was calling for, let's not just squeak out of here with a hard-fought victory. 30 points, they're up 37 when they took the starters out, and uh, Brad Underwood continues to own that program. Uh, but then Saturday, big win, a game that was very important, probably your toughest game until March uh, on paper at Maryland, and you go in there and you finally get that monkey off your back against the Terps. What stood out to you from just this week in general or especially that road win against Maryland yesterday? I think overall, as we've been talking about the past couple of weeks, uh, Illinois offense just continues to be dominant. You put up could have put up like 120 on Michigan if you kept the starters in, but they got yeah. taken out with eight minutes or so left, which of course had to happen. But uh, 85 points at Maryland, that's a really good uh, defensive team. Still gave up 80 off or defensively to Maryland, which is a concern I'm sure we'll talk about a bit again in this podcast this week. But uh, overall, I think you look at the Maryland game mainly and you look at the late game execution, you look at Terrence Shannon continues to be really good. He had averaging 29 points this week, just – back to that All-American status. I don't think that's even in question anymore. He's really back to his full self. Uh, just some great con contributions from guys in the Maryland game. Coleman Hawkins played pretty well. Damask played pretty well towards the end. Herman makes a couple clutch plays towards the end of the game. So I, I really think just offensively, the team continues to look dominant. Defensively, still some struggles for sure. But overall, you get the late game execution finally. And you just you move to 2-0 and this week. And you look good in the Big Ten standings. You look good as a top 16 team, as the committee uh, listed us on Saturday. Just overall, a great week for Illinois. Definitely. I will say real quick, as we're recording this, about a little after 1 o'clock on Sunday, the Ohio State Buckeyes have the lead over Purdue as the start of the second half, 35-30. So I'll have my eyes on that one. I got that one on here in the corner of my eye. If uh, Probably be done recording before this one. Before this one goes final, probably be done recording. But, hey, we'll uh, – 
maybe have to have a conversation about Big Ten scenarios if uh, it comes to that. But uh, keep you updated on that one. Obviously, this will release way after this is over, so we're not really going to mention it much. But, uh, yeah, back to what you were saying, totally agree. I think the biggest storyline from at Maryland was you closed out a game late. There's been some late-game struggles heading into that one. For a second there, it did look like Michigan State all over again, where Illinois took about a seven-point lead with about seven minutes left. Maryland a little flurry to tie it with about five minutes left, and Illinois had about a three-minute scoring drought there where they had some rough possessions. But give them credit, they actually found a way to close this game out, and I thought, uh, for one, obviously you got buckets when you needed to. Damask had a big bucket. Harmon had a big bucket. Coleman Hawkins had a, a an and one in transition on, on a play that actually, by the way, was the play of the game, not by Coleman, by Marcus Damask getting back on a, a run out for Jameer Young that would have given Maryland the lead late. Marcus Damask goes up vertical contest. Harmon does a nice job getting back to rebound, and Coleman Hawkins had an and one on the other end. Then Terrence Shannon Jr. got to the foul line a couple times late to close the game out as well. Um, but defensively, I agree. I think as a whole, still some concerns, especially in the first half against Maryland on defense. Felt like they were living in the paint. Felt like Jameer Young was getting whatever he wanted in the paint, even some other guys. Um, Illinois did try some different things defensively, and we can talk about that a little more in depth. But what I will say is that when it came down to crunch time and when it mattered most, they did get the stops they needed, which you couldn't say against Michigan State. You couldn't say against Nebraska. You couldn't say against Northwestern. You could say it on Saturday. Illinois got stops, forced Jameer Young into some tougher mid-range jump shots, which is exactly where you want him to be shooting those shots from, knowing how explosive he's been, knowing how easily he can get downhill and get to the basket. For Terrence Shannon and, and Illinois' drop coverage in general, they're late to force him into some of those tougher mid-range shots that he wasn't able to make, I thought was a heck of a job and exactly what you wanted to see, and they were able to get the stops they needed. and. Uh, it was really nice to see them close out a tight game late because that had been a real concern here. And if that one had played out just like Michigan State had, boy, it'd be I'd be really concerned about just the fact that, man, if you get towards March, you get into the postseason, and this team's in a tie game with five minutes left, I'm not going to have any confidence that they can close one out. Instead, they go to Maryland, a place that – as Coleman Hawkins said after the game, they'd been getting like a thousand fans there every night, but they got 17,000 when Illinois showed up. So they were fired up for it. Illinois went in and closed out a game in a pretty good environment there, even though Maryland's not in the tournament picture. I thought that was a huge step in the right direction. It's crazy. I mean, the last, you want to say seven, eight minutes of that game felt exactly like the Michigan State game up until the Jameer Young fast break, Damas gets the stop, Harmon gets the rebound, throws it up to Coleman, gets the dunk, and one. It's it's just crazy how much one play can really change the course of the game, maybe change the course of your season if like something drastic happened. But uh, sometimes that's all you need, one stop, transition, layup, transition, dunk, you get fouled on it, gets you three points, just a massive five-point swing in the course of uh, like 10 seconds in a really close game. But, uh, yeah, I, I totally agree. I think Illinois did have some really key stops on Jameer Young towards the end of the game. But, I mean, the rest of the game, I'm still, I would say, I'm concerned because he puts up, I don't know his exact, exact line, 28, 9, and 6. That's, I'd say that's concerning still, but he did shoot 8 for 23. I think we did get some key stops towards the end, like you mentioned. Um, but I, I still, I'm, I'm concerned about Maryland putting up 80 points as a whole. Julian Reese, good player for sure. He did get we did get him into foul trouble at some point towards the uh, end of the game, but eighteen and eleven. Dante Scott gets injured before the game and still puts up seventeen on you. The rest of the team didn't really do much, but that's kind of been the story of Maryland season. Guys just don't hit wide open threes. They don't make layups. Just basic stuff like that. So I think Illinois did a decent job on the rest of the team, but I would have liked to see them key in more on Jameer Young. I know we did, we blitzed him a couple times off screens. We doubled him a couple times, stuff like that. And it seemed to work. Like, I'm sure we'll talk about that in a bit, but that's, that stuff seemed to work. So I'm, I'm still, I just say I'm confused when Luke Goody's switched on to Jameer Young with eight minutes left in the game. Like, Damask wasn't really getting too many stops defensively. But guys like Terrence Shannon and maybe Coleman, when he switched on to Jameer Young, they continue to get, to get stops. They're really consistent defensively, it seems like compared to some of these other options like Luke Goody and some other guys. So it's just interesting. Illinois still has some things to work on, but offensively, 
you can't just discount or discredit how good Illinois has been offensively. I think they're top five on Ken Palm offensive efficiency now at this point in the season. Just probably the best offensive Illinois team I've seen in my uh, lifetime. I know they mentioned the D Brown, uh, D Brown, Darren Williams, 2004 or five team uh, was like similar statistically in terms of points per game, points per possession, stuff like that. So just really great to see because that team had national championship uh, caliber metrics. They did make the national championship, could have won it. I wasn't really a huge Illinois fan back then, but just great to see stuff like that in terms of stats comparing to teams from 20 years ago that went on crazy runs. So I think Illinois has the makeup of a team that could go on a run in March. I think you would probably agree with that too. I think most Illinois fans would. Still some things to figure out defensively, who's matching up with who, who's in the game, uh, late in games, who's closing out teams on the road, stuff like that. But Illinois did have a good late game performance in this one, and I think that's definitely something to build on. Yeah, I, don't, I mean, the formula didn't change at all this week. We knew that Illinois' offense is one of the best in the country, and there's going to be games where their offense just wins, and it's better than another team's offense. I felt like that was kind of the what happened against Maryland. I don't think they – they got the stops when it mattered, but wasn't a great defensive performance. Maryland scoring 80. I'd have to look back and check and see if they've even done that in conference play yet. Uh, I do know that Illinois 85 against them was the most that uh, and Maryland had allowed all season. So, um, I mean, yeah, it's just, it, it's the same formula. It, it Nothing really changed for me. I thought it was a little bit better as a whole defensively uh, this week. Like I thought Terrence Shannon was a ton better. Uh, he actually looked like an ace defender for a lot of the week. Uh, I thought, uh, Coleman Gate looked a lot better as well. Um, I didn't think he was eaten alive um, in either matchup. I thought he played really well on Tuesday, especially against Terrace Reed, who kind of had his way with them in the first matchup. And then, um, yeah, they didn't. I mean, I thought Illinois came out early against Maryland, and they immediately post-trapped Julian Reese every time he touched it, which is exactly what I wanted to see. Maryland really went away from him in terms of just throwing him the ball one-on-one because they knew Illinois was going to trap, and so most of his damage came more in roll situations off of ball screen action, so I think you can live with that. Uh, As far as Jameer Young and some of their guards, yeah, the first half I was remarking, I even tweeted out, I'm like, it's it's abysmal how much teams just live in the paint against this team. There's no resistance on the perimeter getting into the paint. That's still matched up in this one for the first half. I think Maryland was outscoring Illinois in the paint by like 18 points. Feels like every single game uh, Illinois is losing the points in the paint battle, which is not what you would expect on a team that has all the size and, uh, and is so good from two for most of the season. So, I mean, overall, defensively, I'm not trying to say that uh, this was completely solved all the ills on that end of the floor. But um, late in the game, it was nice to see. I thought certain guys looked a lot better, felt like they had kind of that bite to them on on defense. But uh, that's something that still needs to get figured out. Listen, the formula for this team is it's pretty obvious. It's is their offense going to be better than the other team's offense? And if it is, they're going to win. I don't know if we're ever going to get to a point where this team is going to win a game defensively, but I think the encouraging thing right now is that it doesn't seem like this team is going to have a matchup that's going to slow down this offense. Because to be honest with you, coming into this Maryland game, I was a little concerned matchup-wise. I mean, you have the thing in the back of your head like, oh, it's Maryland. Illinois can't beat this team. Of course, we'll find a way to lose to Maryland again. But matchup-wise, I was a little concerned as well because I think Maryland does have some bigger, stronger guys on the perimeter. I didn't think Illinois' booty ball was going to work all that well against them. And you look up at Maryland, and they're an NIT team at best, but they were top five in defensive efficiency coming into yesterday's game. I think they moved down to sixth uh, after Illinois put 85 on them. So this is a top 10 defense nationally. And uh, I thought they did a really nice job guarding Illinois back in Champaign, which obviously Illinois missed a lot of layups in that game, which was one of the big stories. I thought they did a nice job and were just physical and stood up to Illinois' mismatches. There wasn't really a ton of mismatches to exploit, but Illinois gets 85 points in a game where I think they shot 0 for something in the second half from three. I'm trying to pull this up. They started the game like four of six from three early. super hot, yeah. And then they were one for their final 16. I don't know if they made a three in the second half. 
and they still put up 85 on a, on a team that entered play top five in the country defensively. Most points anyone has scored on Maryland all season long, and that's including Purdue and some of their non-conference opponents. So, yeah, this offense is a juggernaut right now. We, we have no concerns about that. I think the defense has a ways to go, but the formula for this team is one that, yeah, it gets a little scary when you get to bracket time and – you see some of these historic numbers about how you know teams that aren't top 30 defensively normally don't go on runs, but that might just be what this team is in terms of their offense going to have to show up game after game after game. Right now, they're kind of proven that they can do that, minus that late drought against Michigan State. Their offense has shown up almost every night, and uh, that's pretty much how this team is built, and I think that's kind of what the story is going to be now. The, the key is going to be, can they get stops in those late game moments? Because at the end of the day, if you go on the road in a game like this, a lot of times, as we saw Northwestern Michigan state, if you can't get stops late, you know, you're going to miss a couple shots. It's a road game and it's not going to go your way. But uh, I thought it was encouraging at least that they found a way to get a few stops when it mattered late, still a ways to go defensively. But yeah, as you said, offensively, there's, absolutely zero to complain about with this team it's actually has a better adjusted offensive efficiency than the 05 team which is insanity insanity could you imagine saying that in like october november like we thought this team would be a defensive juggernaut I know, it's flipped i think there's the so entire profile of the team is completely flipped from what you would have thought in october which is pretty insane it's hard to grasp so random even like thinking back in october like i don't know if marcus damasi is going to get the postseason uh like accolade recognition he deserves because he's averaging is he still averaging 20 in big 10 play through like 14 I think games he, i think he's averaging 19. he's around there yeah could you imagine saying that in october like like gary a is a starter every game gary a is contributing like amazingly offensively getting all these putback dunks stuff like that Harmon is great off the bench, just uh, contributing threes, contributing hustle plays, defense. And Damask is like an all Big Ten guy. And Terrence Shannon is should be a first team All American. Like, it, it's just crazy. It's insane that the whole style of this team has flipped completely since October. But it helps because um, Terrence Shannon is such, like, we've said it so many times. He doesn't need a play, he doesn't need a set to be run for him. It's just get the ball in transition, get two instant free throws, get a dunk, get a layup, whatever it is. And then in the half court offense, just chuck up a three and probably make it because he was shooting 40% uh, before the suspension. So it's just crazy how good this team is offensively. And I still think Coleman Hawkins does not get nearly enough credit as he should. I think people are starting to like, I honestly think Illinois fans are getting kind of complacent with Coleman because like picture I don't just think back to like, to like last year or sophomore year, whatever you want to think of, even the first couple games of this year. If Coleman puts up like 25 and five, like he has done a couple times this season lately, I mean, there would be like parades in the streets of Champaign because he was, he was a really inconsistent player. But this last two or three months, I would say, he's been probably the most consistent player on the team for the most part in terms of defensive effort, getting rebounds hustle plays, uh, and then offensively just burying threes. He's starting to back some guys down when he gets the chance. Like a couple months ago, he would have a mismatch in the post and he'd kick it out or something. Like he wouldn't put his back to the basket and just go score. He's done that a couple times now. And he's still just probably the best facilitator on this team. He gets the ball in the high post, can make a play uh, shooting-wise, can kick it out to anybody, find an open three-point shooter. This offense is just they're working wonders, man. It, it's beautiful to watch. Putting up 85 points on a top five team in Maryland defensively, it's it's special on the road too. Even like, even like the free throw shooting, Ty Rogers makes his free throws. They miss like three free throws out of 30 as a team. Like that was a that was one of our major concerns coming into the year. So it's just I don't know. It, it's crazy to see how much uh, the offensive style has changed, how much the narrative around the offense has changed. Uh, I don't know. It's crazy. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. 
Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 32 for 36 from the free throw line against Maryland, which a what a job knocking 32 of them down B 36 free throw attempts. Isn't it's crazy, Getting but 36. this is, this is a team that and I know Maryland fans will probably complain about some of the whistles, but this is a team that consistently gets to the free throw line, which is another big part of the offense is if you can get to the foul line consistently, obviously Terrence is going to do it, but you're seeing other guys really attack closeouts hard and get to the foul line. That's that's easy points for you, and and if you can make them, there you go. That's just elevates your offense. And yeah, that was a huge reason Illinois was able to get eighty five. You knew Maryland was going to be physical and try to stand up to a lot of their actions, but Illinois stood right, stood their ground, and got to the foul line. And Terrence Shannon sixteen free throw attempts, just awesome stuff. It, it that's why you get frustrated when he settles for some of those threes late in games, like just attack drive you're probably going to be at the free throw line good things happen every time Terrence Shannon puts his head down drives to the basket and we saw that uh, with his 16 free throw attempts it's just an unstoppable force and if you're Maryland you got three guys that you just like fly at him and all three of them follow him basically it's like it's impossible Uh, that was great to see but yeah really I mean in terms of offensively I'm, I would put Illinois' top three players up against almost anybody else in the country, I think. Just their top three. Like Shannon, Damask, and Hawkins. You put those three up against anyone else's top three players, I'd feel pretty good about Illinois. I know some other teams have some really good, good players. You look at like North Carolina's guys, UConn's guys, obviously Purdue, Edie, and Smith. I don't know if they have a third, though. That's kind of my point. Um it's just, and they all do such different things for you too. I think they just fit so well together offensively because you got Terrence, who's just a transition monster, a downhill force, a guy that's going to get to the free throw line, a guy that is going to put pressure on a defense every single time he drives the basketball. You've got a guy in Marcus Damask who, oh, by the way, you had two NBA prospects last year that entered the NBA draft waters and came back well neither of those two guys getting the ball late in games because Marcus Damask is so good in those one-on-one matchups that you're actually trusting him late to create offense and he's really good at creating his own shot hit some huge buckets yesterday got hit in the face twice and was still putting up 19 on 7 of 14 shooting and then Coleman Hawkins is obviously so unique in the fact that he's a pick and pop five man a guy that can facilitate a guy that they can run offense through He's been in single-digit scoring twice since December 5th. I mean, that is just speaks to how fantastic he's been, how much he's had kind of this glow up this year from what he was. And, uh, yeah, you think about just how polarizing he's been throughout his Illinois career and how much fans have wanted more from him, and it's been frustrating to see his inconsistencies. Well, he might be the most consistent guy on the team right now because he's just in double figures with three, four, five assists, six, seven rebounds. A uh, couple steals, couple blocks, every single game. It seems like he's shooting three better than he has in his entire career. He's approaching forty percent from three on the season. I think he's currently at thirty-eight and a half percent. Which, uh, boy, we kind of look a little dumb now, saying, "Ah, he just can't shoot." Let's just give it up. He can't shoot. Oh, well, he proved us wrong there. He can definitely shoot it. That's why the NBA is going to like him. But 
those three guys just complement each other so well. They all have different skill sets on offense that can kind of beat different matchups. And one guy can be the focal point of one matchup because he can do one different thing. Coleman Hawkins can be the focal point of your matchup against Michigan State because that's what you see. Damas can be the focal point against one team. Terrence Shannon's always just going to put immense pressure on a team. And, uh, yeah, those three guys are – that's really what it comes down to for Illinois. Obviously, you need – things from your role guys and those guys are going to be important but if those three guys all show up on the same night it's really hard to beat Illinois because I just don't know if there's a ton of teams in the country that could put their top three players up against Illinois top three and say confidently that they have an advantage there am I am I crazy for saying that yeah I honestly can't think of a team because you look at like obviously Terrence specializes in transition you can you can say Demes specializes in like booty ball, posting up guys, low post, whatever you want to say. And then Coleman kind of does it all. But you look at all three in the big picture, they all kind of do everything. Like, I guess Damask isn't really running in transition or anything like that. But like, he's started to hit threes. He can play in the low paint or low post. He can get to the hoop pretty much at will at this point. Coleman has proven he can hit threes. Coleman can get to the hoop past, like Coleman pump fakes and he can get past any big man he wants to and finish at the hoop. And then Terrence, great in transition, great at getting to the rim and getting fouled and still hitting threes at a pretty good rate at this point. So it's like they all they all do – they all have one thing they're best at probably, but at the same time they can all pretty much do everything, which just – it makes them so versatile because none of them are like – like they're all 6'5 plus. Coleman's 6'11. Like it's not like a R.J. Davis, like a 6'2 point guard, something like that, like – this big three on this team is so insanely talented, so versatile. Uh, it, it's just really fun to watch. Like, you think back, Coleman was – I don't know if it was after the Marquette game or if it was a certain game or not, but people on Twitter were saying, like, oh, Coleman is so polarizing. Like, I, I just – I can't wait for his time in Champaign to be done with. <laughs> just, like, imagine saying that now. Like, I, he was saying he was injured. Like, the knee, people didn't really know. Is, is he injured? Is he just kind of – playing terrible to start the year it's pretty clear that he was, he was definitely hurt up. yeah he no was question. definitely hurt 100%. as soon as he came back from it was uh yeah so he played against marquette didn't play well and then he sat out a, a couple it was right after that that he sat out two or three games as soon as he's yeah. come back from that absence he's been an all-conference performer so i he absolutely was hurt i mean he's he's been outstanding that's pretty much what we said we had a podcast back then saying like you look towards the rest of the season, who was going to be the X factor, who needs to improve the most. And we said that's when we kind of wrote off Coleman three-point-wise, saying, like, uh, just face it, Coleman's not going to be, like, a great three-point shooter at any point this season. He's done that and more. But we did say, like, Coleman can be a 10- to 12-point scorer, sneak on the All-Big Ten third team, can contribute really well defensively. He's done all of that and more. It's just been an awesome uh, senior season for Coleman since that uh, little – injury uh early in the season and then terrence obviously had the situation that uh had to sit out for about a month he's really been great the past couple weeks though i think there's no question he's back fully putting up like 30 points per game the last three or four games i believe and then damask has just been i think since the tennessee game where he kind of got bothered uh defensively by that really good team he's just been elite like putting up 20 a game in big 10 play just getting to the hoop at will really hasn't had too many bad or even mediocre games. So yeah, this, I, I really like your point. This big three, I think you could put them up with any team in the country's big three and they come out on top, honestly. Jake Diebler, baby, the Ohio state Buckeyes first game as interim coach. And they're leading Purdue by nine with 11 minutes to go. Chris Holtman fired this week, by the way, kind of crazy that happened mid season, but uh, yeah. they're rallying. I, all, every it seems like every time a coach gets fired midseason, that first game after the team plays the game of their life. Every time they're like so. And then excited. Ohio State, Ohio State will go winless after this. Yeah, win. yeah, they'll win one more time the rest of the year. But hey, you beat Purdue. That's all we need you to do, Buckeyes. Uh, anyway, yeah, no, uh, Terrence Shannon especially. I mean, it feels like it's just been glossed over the fact that he's averaging 29 a game in his last three. Like it's, it's been a quiet 29 from him. Although Tuesday night definitely wasn't quiet. He had 31 points and Jawan Howard was saying, you're welcome to Illinois after the game. So <laughs> that one was a little oh less quiet. That was 31 points on 11 of 15 shooting made five threes Tuesday night. That was 
that was all American first team level play. And then uh, even on, on two games where he's not maybe his most efficient from the field and the three isn't working for him at Michigan State at Maryland, he combines for 29 free throw attempts in those two games, gets to 26 and 27 points in each one. So, yeah, he's back. I mean, he's he's back. That efficiency could still get there. Feels like the three-point shot hasn't fully – I mean, he had a great night on Tuesday, which is great to see, was one for seven against Maryland. I'd love to see him not settle for quite as many of those. We know he can make the ones that are in rhythm, the ones that he gets naturally in the flow of the offense, hit like four of his five just from the corner off kickouts on Tuesday night. And then it seems like against Maryland, it was more of those crossover isolation pull-up shots that he makes some of them, but you know, you just want to see him attack on some of those. If he takes two, three threes a game, makes one or two of them, and then, can just attack and, and get to the foul line 15 times. That's the Terrence Shannon I think Illinois needs. Uh, so it's just, it's been great. I mean, yeah, the, there's no question about it. As much as I think Coleman Hawkins and Damask are X factors and huge and important and, and bring different things to Illinois, their ceiling relies on Terrence Shannon being their best player, in my opinion, because he, he can be that. And he's the only guy that can consistently give you 27, even on nights where he only makes six shots uh, against Maryland, six shot, six made shots, one, three, but 27, like no one else on this team sniffing that. So that's why Terrence Shannon's got to be your best player down the stretch of the year. And I think he has been the last three games, which is really just exactly what you needed to see. That feels like that, that slump and that, questioning whether he's ever going to get back to the same guy he was back against Missouri and Florida Atlantic that can be put to rest because I think he's right about there obviously can still get better defensively I think is where he needs to focus most on we know he's going to get his points if he can play the type of defense he played down the stretch against Jameer Young navigating screens and staying in front of him that's where he can really get back to okay this is the best two-way player in the country but can't complain about 28.3 a game the last three yeah, no question. Um, I, I don't know how much there, how much more there is to talk about the Maryland game. I don't think there's much to say about Michigan either. Like, you think back to the Michigan game, and, like, I could be totally over-exaggerating, but I think half their field goals were dunks. Yeah. And they also missed – like, Terrace Reed missed about 10 layups within two feet of the hoop. So, I, I don't know. But I think the defensive performance after the first 10, 12 minutes or so was much improved in the Michigan game because, honestly, that program just – they go down and they fall apart. They just they throw in the towel unless they're up at halftime, and which they still lose after that. So uh, just a terrible team. You win by 30, 40, whatever they did win by. Good game all around. But um, Needed to do that, though. That was good to see that you just came out at home and dominated a terrible team. Like, that hadn't happened. So good to see that. Yeah, got your Max Williams points. Yeah, yeah I did. I got my A.J. Red and Max Williams minutes. Max <laughs> Williams offensive glass, two free throws. That a boy. I mean, that's it's a junkyard that's, that's, dog right there. That's the uh, nail in the coffin in the Juwan Howard era is Max Williams getting an offensive rebound on your team, right? Like, that's just got to be the I would think so, yeah. Is it Was that the last Brad Underwood Juwan Howard meeting, do you think, or no? Do you think he's back next year? I mean, there's no chance I've heard that, in a Big Ten I, tournament. No, there's no chance. I, I don't know. I've heard some people say he might be back for one more year, which I just – I'd be livid if I was a Michigan fan. I know they probably don't care because they're like, well, we won yeah. in football. But, God, what are they, 8-18 eight and 18 right now? Ah, oh, man. That they've, is... lost, or they've won like two of their last 15 or something like that. So, I don't know. I hope we get him for one more year because it'd be nice to get a nice round 10-0 and 0 for Brad against him. <laughs> that'd, be, that'd be a nice way to end it off. That would be. As you guys know by now, we've partnered with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks and we'll have special offers for the listeners and the viewers of the Field of 68 as we all get ready for the best month of the year, March Madness. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, you can use the bonus code FIELD150 and you will get $150 in free bets on your first wager with BetMGM regardless of whether or not you win that first bet. Here's the best part. All you need to do is deposit and bet $5 of your hard-earned money. This is how you make it work. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using the bonus code FIELD150. That's FIELD150. Deposit at least $5 and place your first wager on any game. 
you will receive up to $150 in bonus bets regardless of the outcome of your bet. Just make sure you use that bonus code FIELD150 when you sign up. And remember, BetMGM is now available in one wallet in select states. As a New Jersey resident, this is super convenient when I have to go cover games in Philly or New York, which happens quite a bit. When you cross state borders, you just log into your existing account and fire away. You don't have to create a new account in each state. It's easy, it's simple, and it's clean. And most importantly, we have some fun stuff coming up for the conference tournaments and for the NCAA tournament. Bet insurance tokens college hoops odds boost and my personal favorite a nice little parlay boost here and there so download the BetMGM app and sign up today big news guys i am thrilled to announce that we have partnered with autograph a company founded by the goat himself tom brady the autograph fandom app gives you access to the best college hoops content fan contests and exclusive rewards like discounted tickets, all for doing the things that diehard fans like you already do, following your favorite team in the news and listening to podcasts just like this one. When Tom, and yes, I am calling him Tom, we're on a first-name basis these days, co-founded Autograph. He had one mission in mind, change the fan experience for the better. It works like this. You get all of your college hoops content you want in one place. You get articles from your favorite writers, pods from your favorite hosts, contests from your favorite creators, all on the feeds and the sites that you already enjoy. But instead of having to go to all these different places, it all comes to you in one spot, the autograph fandom map. But here's the best part. The more content that you consume, the higher you rank in the app. As you consider the level up in status on the app, you can unlock unique rewards curated exclusively for you. So download the free autograph app in the app store and use the referral code F68, that's F68, or tap in at the link in the description below or in the podcast app of your choosing to start earning points for doing something as normal as listening to this very podcast. Yeah. Um. What do you want to go? What do you want to talk about now? Big 10? I see... Purdue trails by five right now. <laughs> yeah, right. Right as I complimented Diebler and Ohio State, they've been on like a four-minute scoring drought. So my fault. Yeah. Bruce Thornton knocks a jumper down. All right. Uh, let's talk about the uh, the reveal, like just NCAA tournament picture, because oh, yeah, yeah. um, that happened yesterday as well. The the um, selection committee releases their kind of top sixteen seed preview in mid February, right about this time every year. Illinois makes an appearance as the number 15 overall seed in the bracket, which is a four seed, um, the second to last four seed technically uh, in the reveal. The region doesn't matter. That's not going to be the same. Um, it, the seed is the only thing that really matters. You can kind of talk about a couple of the other teams that were around them, but uh, four seeds about where they've been for the last month or so. They've just kind of been right around that range. I think it's fair to say that they probably could move up to a three seed, definitely could fall to a five or a six if you lose some of these big 10 games that you don't, uh, that wouldn't look good on a resume. But uh, what do you kind of make of that? I know we've, we've talked a little bit about how we didn't, based on Illinois' resume, it feels kind of surprising that they're a four seed. feels like there's a lot still to be desired on this Illinois resume. They don't really have that marquee win. They're maybe their best win of the season. Florida Atlantic just got boat raced today against South Florida. They're not even going to win the American Conference. So it's not the best resume out there. But Illinois, for the most part now, has avoided those bad losses. Maryland's the only quad two or three loss on the resume and it's either going to be two or three depending on where maryland is uh they've taken care of who they should have obviously they only have six total losses on the season what what was your reaction to seeing illinois on the four line yesterday um i i have no complaints about it i think given the resume given i think the metrics are what's really carrying the resume that's a great point yep. yep overall resume right now but in terms of resume talking about like wins and losses games and quads stuff like that doesn't look great besides they do have four quad one wins i believe i gotta pull up their resume right now actually yeah they did um, four as of today because you got florida atlantic michigan state and then ohio state and maryland road games are right on the edge ohio state 72 now yeah. if they hold on here that'll help matters maryland 75 exactly that one is going to be 
right down to the wire. It's going to be, there'll be 74 one morning and then 77 the next morning. So that should be interesting one. Yeah. So that the Maryland's big for keeping it a quad one win in terms of, or instead of quad two win. And then of course, uh, quad three loss versus quad two loss is actually a massive difference. Want to keep it as a quad two. Um, but they do have four quad one wins. As you just mentioned a couple of them kind of lower to eat, lower tier. You don't have a quad one A win, which is like one to 15 at home. I think one to 30 on the road. You're going to have two chances at that. Unless Wisconsin just totally falls off a cliff. If you beat them on the road, that's probably a quad one A win. And of course, if you beat Purdue at home, guaranteed quad one A win would be the best win on your resume by a mile at this point. So uh, Illinois still has quad one at Iowa, I believe. I don't know if the quad one or if the game against Iowa at home is quad one. It Not might quite. Be. No, they're they're in the fifties. Oh no, yeah, that's top thirty. Never mind. Never mind. But yeah, I, there's not really any chances for terrible losses left. I know Minnesota, Penn State, kind of on the border of that. But um, you just really want to avoid a bad loss at this point and really try to gather one or two quad 1A wins with Purdue and Wisconsin and then potentially with the Big Ten tournament. But in my opinion, I was actually – I did a bracketology a couple, I think, last week. So my, my opinion really doesn't matter. But just for the sake of this podcast, I had Illinois as a four seed. And some of the teams around them, like you look at Wisconsin falling off a cliff, Illinois ahead of them in this net reveal. I think South Carolina's by us. They just lost two games this week. Um, Clemson just lost. I think they're right around the five seed line. Auburn, I think, just lost. Yeah, Auburn yep, just lost. They to lost Kentucky. at home to Kentucky. So even though Illinois doesn't have the marquee win that some of these teams have, the losses still matter and they might matter not more, but like to the same extent because losing a quad three game in like the SEC or something, it's massive at this point in the season, late February, early March. If Illinois avoids that type of loss and other teams continue to rack up losses like that, like Wisconsin has, uh, Clemson just had a bad loss. I'm blanking on some other teams, but Illinois will stay on that four, four seed line. And I think with a marquee win, they have potential to get to a three. I think a two seed would definitely be stretching it at this point, unless maybe you beat Purdue twice and just win out. You have this to win out. Probably. Exactly. Yeah. Um, but with Purdue and Wisconsin still left in the regular season and a potential for three big 10 tournament games on a neutral site, the resume could still be boosted pretty well at this point. And of course you could still fall to a five, six seed potentially, but I think Illinois is in a really good spot at the four line, the metrics, like the net rating, Ken Palm really likes this. Um, what else is there? I think BP. No, what is it? Uh, As BPI, right? BPI, yeah, BPI. Something like that. And then strength of schedule is pretty solid playing in the Big Ten. You did honestly the non-con strength of schedule kind of confuses me because you play you play Marquette, you play Tennessee, FAU's still pretty high, and then the non-con strength of schedule isn't. It's pretty low compared to some of these other teams, which is interesting. I think it's but probably because they played a bunch of 300s teams in those other games. Is probably Yeah, I guess that's true. But, yeah, overall, that's kind of nitpicking in terms of the resume. Overall, they look really good metrics-wise. And even without the quad 1A win at this point, you still have four quad 1 wins, which is great. You still have four or five in quad 2, which is still better than a lot of teams. So I, I think Illinois is in a really good spot at this point, and I'd, I, it was, I was happy to see them in the top 16 for sure. I think they should have been. I saw some people earlier in the week saying they're right on the cut line, like 17 or 18. But as we've seen in the past, I know some guys were tweeting like stats related to if you're in the first reveal in the top 16, you have like an 80% chance of staying in the top 16 come tournament time, which is kind of skewed, obviously, because one seeds probably aren't going to drop five seed lines in three weeks. But still, it's it's encouraging for sure. You just look at where this team and where this program is compared to five, six years ago. It's just the difference is insane. Like imagine telling an Illinois fan five, six years ago, you get a one seed in 2021, four seed the next year, struggle a bit. The next year still get eight or nine seed, whatever we were. And then guess what? Next year, bring in some transfers. You're right back on a four seed line, almost locked in to a top 16, top 20 team uh, come tournament time. So it's great, great time to be an Illinois fan for sure. Yeah. I mean, they've been in the, this February bracket top 16 revealed three of the last four seasons. They were a three seed in the reveal uh, two years ago, two seed in the reveal three years ago. Obviously they 
uh, moved up to a one by the time the tournament came around because they had all those marquee games like right at the end of the season. Now they're a four seed. Yeah, I mean, it's right where you want to be. I think in an ideal world, you get up to that three line by the tournament. That's going to be important because you avoid the one seed in that little quadrant of the bracket in that sweet 16 matchup, not to look too far ahead, but then also you get a six seed as opposed to a five, who's probably going to be a little lower on the scale. Um, and, and also that usually there's kind of a drop-off between the 12, 13 mid-majors and the 14, 15 mid-majors, probably less prone to an upset getting a 14 seed. Usually those teams are overmatched. You don't see quite as many 14, three upsets as you do 13, four and 12, five. So hey, that, 14s are that, way worse than 13s and 12s. It's like a massive difference that a lot of people don't realize. Yeah. There's a, there's a big conference drop-off right at that level. So uh, that's where Illinois needs to have their focus on, in my opinion, is get to that three line by the tournament. And I think it's a pretty clear path to do that. I honestly think you probably could get there without beating Purdue. Uh, if you win every other game and you get to the semis or finals of the big 10 tournament, but if you beat Purdue, I think that's the one you got to circle and maybe, you know, still under five minutes to go in this one. Maybe that means a little bit more than just a resume win, but, um, just uh, at the very least, it's going to be a massively important game for Illinois' resume because you get that team at home. Really haven't had hardly any like marquee opportunities at home other than Marquette, which was the second week of the season. Other than that, it's just been like you got to take care of this home game. You got to take care of this home game. Michigan State was the only other one that meant anything to your resume, basically. It was the only other quad one home game that you've played so far. So that's going to be a huge one to welcome Purdue in top two team in the net, if I'm not mistaken. I think they're number two um, in the net. Obviously, the number one overall seed in the tournament. That's the biggest game. If you win that one, I think you feel pretty darn good about getting to that three line, uh, assuming you avoid losing three more times other than that. Uh, Obviously, at Wisconsin would be there as well, but I think that's a little bit tougher ask going on the road. You shouldn't expect to win those road games. You should expect to win every home game if you're Illinois absolutely should so uh i think that purdue game is going to be huge big 10 tournament it's always kind of interesting how like i can never tell how much the the conference tournaments are factored into the, it feels like they never are uh but then you have these bracketologists going on like conference championship week saying well this is huge if this team does this and this and this they'll improve their seed and then it never happens but uh, i think you got to focus on the regular season your only like catastrophic loss would be home to minnesota they're 82nd in the net right now that'd be quad three home loss so just take care of that one everyone else is in either quad two or quad one you finish the game with three quad one games you go two and two and one in those three at wisconsin versus purdue at iowa and you uh, take care of your other three games at penn state iowa at home minnesota at home i think you're on the three line pretty pretty easily on the three line especially seeing some of these other teams i I think that there's going to be some tougher games for a team like an Auburn or a team like an Iowa State or a team like a San Diego State. I think you can pass those teams up if you if you get that done, if you lose one more time in the regular season. So three seed is what I want for this Illinois team. Three seed is where you need to be. Makes your path so much easier to get to the second weekend if you get a three seed. And, hey, maybe win out and get a two seed. Wouldn't complain about that either, huh? With Ohio State up seven right now, maybe win out, win the Big Ten, second time Good in a call. couple of years. Yeah. Good call. Yeah, this I'm, is sorry, a seven I'm kind of watching this game. game. <laughs> yeah, it's a seven point game with three and a half minutes to go. Ohio State leads, and uh, this is getting real. If Purdue were to lose this game, that means Illinois would be one game back hosting Purdue. So you win out and you get a share. And if Purdue loses another game, you get an outright title. If you lose one and Purdue loses two, Opens up the scenarios. Illinois is officially back in the race and controls their destiny for a Big Ten Conference regular season championship if Purdue loses this one. So Buckeyes need 333 to close this one out. It's probably knowing how long college basketball games take. I don't want to extend our recording too long, so we're not going to wait for the end result. But it's looking pretty good for the Buckeyes. Um, it is, before, yeah. before we close it out, unless you have any other thoughts on on the tournament, yeah, I'll, I'll go really quick here. Just back to your sure. point about. I'll preface this by saying you want to win in the market. What you want to win in the tournament, you got to beat good teams in every single round. Like it really doesn't matter what seed you are. 
from a from like a I don't know from an outside standpoint, you're going to have to beat great teams regardless of where you're seated, like what region you're in, stuff like that. But the difference between four seed, three seed, you look to towards the Sweet Sixteen. Um, you're playing a two seed instead of a one seed. Round of thirty-two, you're matched up with a six potentially instead of a, a five. And then round one, like we saw Illinois go down to the wire with Chattanooga in a four versus thirteen matchup just two years ago. Like lost or down the entire game, pretty much took a miracle to win that one. If you just look at, take some time to look at the resumes and like quad or net sheets of some of these thirteen and fourteen seeds. Like you are totally right. There is a massive difference. I know I'm kind of this is a random point, but like it is. If you want to win tournament games, it, it's pretty big to look at. Like these 14 seeds are in a way weaker conferences, way weaker strengths of schedule. They all have like quad four losses, and then the 13 seeds are like the top tier mid majors that you're t- looking at like from year to year. Like your Colgates, your Vermonts, some of these teams are in the tournament every year, like South Dakota State. These teams that every college basketball fan knows. I'll tell you who Illinois is going to play if they're a four seed. Akron? The Akron Zips. John Gross is playing Illinois. If they're a four seed, that matchup is get, is happening. Yeah, so that's you want to get to the three line. But even like you, you look at beating Purdue in uh, early March at home, huge resume win, could win the Big Ten because of that. But even just for the like the teams, um, I, I don't know what I'm trying to say, but like that's huge for the team too. Like you beat FSU on a neutral site, but other than that, you beat a decent Michigan State team at home. You don't have too many like oh, this team's probably better than us, but we just we have played the game of, our, game of our lives and just came out and beat them. Like, a lot of these wins that Illinois has had, Maryland, Ohio State, Michigan, these are teams you should beat, and Illinois has taken care of them for the most part. But, like, you're not really solidifying yourself as a top team by beating teams ranked in the 90s in Ken Palm and Net. So just beating, like, a top, top one, top two, top three team in Purdue would be so awesome from every, like, for every uh I, I don't know, but like, yeah, I think you get my point. Like, it's so massive for so many reasons. Uh, so that would just be awesome. I know that's three weeks from now, looking ahead a little bit. But honestly, we're we're winding down in the college basketball season. Just a couple games left in Big Ten play. I think three at home, three on the road. So you got to lock in, Illinois. Yeah, I mean, there is a broader conversation to be had there about the fact that Illinois doesn't really have that marquee win that like we belong as a national contender win not again they haven't had a ton of opportunities I think you look back to a Marquette game two weeks into the season which Coleman Hawkins was playing on one leg in a game that you led 10 minutes left and had some late game troubles then you go to Tennessee not expected to win that game that's a team that's hovering on the one seed line they're currently on the two line um, and then at Purdue, no one's winning there. They're undefeated there. Uh, at Northwestern, at Michigan State, like two tough road games, two teams that have been great at home. You had chances to win. Not saying those are acceptable losses. I think you had chances to win, but it's it's not like they've had, oh, they've blown these three, four opportunities where they can't hang with some of the top teams. They've been in every single game this season but they haven't gotten over the hump in terms of that. Here's this marquee, top of the resume, we can beat anybody type of win. And so I think kind of just going off your point there, it would do a lot to beat Purdue a week before the postseason starts and be like, all right, yeah, we can we can make a Final Four because if we can beat Purdue, we're, we can beat anybody in the country. There hasn't been that type of like, here's this – win that says so much about where we're at it's they've missed a couple of those opportunities so i think that would be a huge win for that reason but um to close things out let's take a quick look ahead at this upcoming week illinois goes at penn state on wednesday night it's actually not at their normal arena it is a weird game at rec hall which is where they play their volleyball games and some other non-revenue sports if you're familiar with the Illinois campus think like the equivalent to Huff Hall. I don't know why they're playing a game there, uh, but that's where Illinois is playing. It's a smaller gym, holds like 5,000 compared to like their 17,000 main arena. So uh, I don't know. It's kind of a weird vibe to me. Like you're playing in this weird small gym at Penn State, a team that's been kind of 
kind of hanging around. You know, they haven't been an, an easy out for some teams so far. I think the biggest thing to watch in that game is going to be will Kanye Clary play for Penn State? He's been in and out of the lineup recently. He's their leading scorer. A quick guard on the perimeter that uh, is really explosive, has had a great year. That'd be a, a, a matchup that I'd have a little bit of trouble with if uh, if he were to play, but he did not play on Saturday against Nebraska. So I think that's the one that would give me a little bit of concern here. And just kind of a weird vibe of like, why the heck are we playing in a volleyball gym for this one? Is uh, gonna <laughs> some Illinois shots going to rim out here and we're going to have some uh, a tough shooting day? I don't know. But uh, Penn State, bottom of this conference, you got to win that game regardless of where you're playing. Uh, any thought on that one in particular against the Nittany Lions? Do we have a reason why Kanye Clary is out? Because if he plays, he would no probably idea. cook us like Jameer Young did. I thought I saw some academic issues like Doug McDaniel. That could be totally wrong. I don't want to really put that out there. But um, I think if he plays, he would give us issues. Probably not to the extent that Jameer Young cooked us twice this year, but he's a really good player. Uh, other than that, Ace Baldwin, really good defender. He's consistently been on like those midseason defensive lists for like four years at VCU and now at Penn State. So their guards could give us some trouble like we've had with some other guard guard tandems in the Big Ten this season. Other than that, they have given teams some trouble uh, overall. Like I think same with Minnesota. Like those two teams have been pretty consistently terrible the past few years in Big Ten play. But Penn State really turned up last year, uh, and now Penn State and Minnesota given given teams a bit of trouble this year. So that will be an interesting game. I honestly didn't even know that about the uh, backup gym we're playing in. That is really weird. I know, someone like, wants to let us know why the heck that's happening. I would love to know. I, I I just saw someone tweet that saying we're playing at Rec Hall, which holds like six thousand, <laughs> home to the volleyball games or whatnot. I I have no clue why that's happening. Have we got some concert at the main arena, or they just want to actually like top fifteen Illinois. Top 15 Illinois coming to town. We know that our normal gym will be three quarters empty. Let's actually try to sell out a game and make an environment. Maybe that's all it is. I have no clue, though. How about Illinois being Maryland's Super Bowl the past few years? Selling out. <laughs> Coleman Hawkins talking about the T-shirts. They're selling out the gym. Coleman, Hawkins, like... Coleman Hawkins poses in a TikTok with the Maryland free T-shirt on. <laughs> guy is a, the, Mar- the guy is the best troll in the conference. They were pissed about that, dude. There is outrage on Twitter about that TikTok and Coleman talking about them <laughs> after the game. It feels good to get a Coleman. win against Maryland, man. They consistently have owned us for the past however many years. But, um, yeah, you, Penn State, weird situation. Don't know if their best player is playing. You're playing in a playing in a cupboard. I don't, I don't know, like playing in a backup gym. And then who's the next game? Is it uh, Iowa comes to Champaign. Iowa. First meeting with Iowa this year. I'll tell you what. Illinois might have a hundred. <laughs> yeah, they did beat Wisconsin at home on uh, on Saturday, but I'll tell you what, Illinois might put up 120 points on Iowa if their offense is going to show up at home. My goodness, that's a, it's an Iowa team. It's the same formula that Iowa teams have been in the past. Now the one difference is they're not quite as good offensively. They're still pretty poor on defense. Good offensive team can light you up. Sanford, Tony Perkins, uh, they got a. a Freshman from Illinois, Owen Freeman, um, that uh, that starts for them now at, at the big. That's going to be a matchup to watch for sure. They get him the ball a lot. But uh, this Iowa team has just been meh. They can beat you one night, mainly at home. They go on the road. They're pretty bad. Can't defend. I think Illinois is going to have matchups galore against them. I, I think it has the potential to be 100 points for this Illini team. I'll tell you that. Yeah, if we get hot, like they just – They've had their All-Americans randomly the past four years, but other than that, it's it's the same core of random white rotation players that can give you 20 or just completely be silent offensively and play zero defense. So I think it's kind of similar to this past week, two games you should win. You, you could get a couple matchup nightmares, not nightmares, but matchup issues with certain guys on Iowa and Penn State if they're playing, if they're hot, if they're hot offensively. But two games you should probably take care of and will actually help your resume a little bit and will probably hurt your resume pretty bad if you lose uh, one or two of them. But I don't think Illinois will. I think they'll take care of business again. I think they'll go 2-0, and and I think we'll be in good position leading into 
I think it's Minnesota and somebody else the next week after that. Yes, it is Minnesota. And then do we get to Wisconsin or is, it is Wisconsin? there kind of a week? Yeah, it, might be. it is Wisconsin. Yeah. At Wisconsin. Hmm. We're getting there. We're getting okay. to March. We're yeah, that's, that's crazy, man. Yeah, but I think we do go 2-0 this week. I, I don't have too much to say about these teams. They're both mediocre at best. You're, um, you're way better than both. There's no question. Yeah, you are. Um, yeah, it would just take a really poor performance to lose either one of these. I think now Penn State, again, has given some teams some trouble. They've they've competed. Give them credit. They had to bring in, like, a bunch of transfers under Mike Rhodes who's in his first year, and they've at least not been the easiest out for teams this year. But uh, they uh, got blown out at Nebraska, blown out at home by Michigan State here recently. And, um, yeah, they're 100th in the net. So they'll be a quad two game. Iowa will be a quad two game. Both those games, I mean, they're – Better than quad three wins, but the uh, the losses would hurt more than the wins really help you. You just got to kind of stay alive uh, with these, I think. And, yeah, you're just much better than both. I think you should be able to score at will on either one of them. I think you're going to have a ton of great matchups across the floor on both teams. Could have 100 on Iowa the way they defend. Man, I, I was watching their game against Wisconsin. They won the game. They, they seem to score at home like most teams do, but boy, do they have some defensive troubles. Illinois should be able to exploit them on that end of the floor. And it's all about if they uh, are red hot or not on the offensive end, Peyton Sanford can get hot and um, their interior has been pretty good with Cricky from Valpo and then uh, Owen Freeman, the freshman, but I think Illinois is just way better. That'll, that'll show itself at home. I'd be much more concerned going to Iowa city than at home as the Ohio state Buckeyes are going to the foul line with a chance to go up four with 34 seconds left. Boy, this is, this is real quick. I mean, this game's probably, there's probably going to be 16 fouls, four timeouts, and this will take 28 minutes. So we're not going <laughs> to stay recording forever. But if this gets closed out, Illinois can win the big 10. How now it's still going to be a tough path. Cause you still would probably have to win out. I don't know if Purdue's going to lose again outside of at Illinois. If you lose, if you look at Purdue's, remaining schedule here home Rutgers at Michigan home Michigan State at Illinois home Wisconsin assuming they win every game at Mackey and they're not going to lose at Michigan they're going to win out other than Illinois so Illinois has got to win out in the regular season if they want to share the conference title barring a huge upset against Purdue one to ten confidence meter that that happens I just want to say home at Michigan State home at Wisconsin at least that's Two of yeah. the top four teams in the Big Ten. They're it not is. Gonna win, I just most likely. Mackey Arena, man. They they they're just so, so dominant there, dude. When I shouldn't when write a follow on, right. yeah. But when there's a follow on Purdue at Mackey Arena, the Mackey Arena fan base like they act like, oh my god, they act like Cam Christie just punched Zach Eady in the face or something, like just socked him in the face, <laughs> and then Zach Eady steps over a dude and stares him down and just like. Uh, whatever it's that Here, man. here's all I ask from the Purdue fan base is if you're going to go on Twitter every single game that Illinois plays and and just be all up in your feelings about how Coleman Hawkins reacts to the officials don't have your whole entire stadium <laughs> throw a collective temper tantrum every time a whistle blows if you stop doing that then you can complain about Coleman otherwise zip it because you're absolutely right that's really annoying but back to your question, was it was your question like one to ten? One to ten, Illinois wins out and win and uh, wins a share of the Big Ten regular season. I'm probably at a two still. It's just you got to go to Wisconsin, to Iowa, home Purdue. I winning all those games going to be I'll, hard. I'll say two, but but I think the most <laughs> the most and having the Big Ten locked up and then going to Iowa City and choking it away in the last game. Yeah. <laughs> Complete letdown game. Talk about Super that Bowls a, if that's the situation. Iowa season's over. They could get They're playing for NIT Major seating. revenge on us. Illinois comes to town. They need to win to share the conference title. My God, it's going to be like the – oh, that's going to be the national championship game in Iowa City. That's going to be a tough one. That's why I'm saying it's going to be hard. It's going to be hard. Yeah, I know. Gives yeah, you a fighter's wow. chance, though. You can start dreaming scenarios if Ohio State can hang on. 30 seconds left. We're not going to just sit here. and I mean, this will come out way after this game's over. No point in sitting that. But it's looking decent for the Buckeyes. Hopefully, yeah. when this releases, Illinois will have that path available to them. 
Yeah, Purdue would have to lose again outside of Illinois for Illinois to have any breathing room, which, yeah, they're they're pretty much their only two chances that that would happen are home against Michigan State, home against Wisconsin, which you are right. Those shouldn't be written off because those are two teams that can beat you. But I'm, I'm not betting against Purdue at Mackey Arena. Um, and then obviously everything comes down to you have to beat Purdue at home um, along with do some other things. But it's on the table. Illinois, just the fact that you're in the race, it's February, what, what, what's the date today? February 18th, and once again, you are in the Big Ten regular season title race for the third time in the last four seasons. Speaks volumes about where this program is at as Purdue cuts it to two with 16 seconds left. Ohio State's about to get a five-second call. They got a time. Oh, you're ahead of me. This is going to take 30 minutes. We'll, uh, we'll wrap this yeah. up, but uh, any last thoughts? Even if you don't get the once even like if you don't win the Big Ten, I think at this point you kind of have number two locked up as a yes. consolation prize, which yes. is so you can't complain. That's awesome. Yep, and and at the end of the day, Big Ten regular season titles are awesome, but this team, their focus is Sweet 16 making that run, making that run in the NCAA tournament, which is really the one blemish on Brad Underwood's resume here at Illinois. So that's still going to be the primary focus, but. Uh, Fun to have a chance, fun to be dreaming up scenarios and seeing all the tweets fly around about Big Ten title scenarios. It's fun. That's all you can say about it. But uh, that should wrap things up here on this episode of the Champagne on Ice podcast. We are going to go watch the end of this game here and see if it takes 40 minutes to complete, which it probably will. Um, but in the meantime, why don't you drop a follow on our Twitter account at Champagne on Ice. Subscribe to the Field of 68 Podcast Network YouTube channel. Find us on all your podcast platforms, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, anywhere else you get podcasts. We release episodes every Monday talking Illinois hoops. We're getting towards the postseason. We're going to have some fun content. And uh, we're in the thick of things here in college basketball. It's getting fun. Make sure you're along for the ride with us. We'll be back next Sunday or next Monday, rather to break down two Illinois games at Penn State versus Iowa. Talk some more about Big Ten title scenarios, hopefully. And uh, get closer to the NCAA tournament in the postseason. Uh, We'll see you then. Until then, this has been the Champagne on Ice podcast. Have a great week, everyone.